Mana 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 this is social disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a comic book artist, cartoonist, animator, and as one person described him, a bootleg voiceover artist, along with being, not to bury the lead, a writer, producer, and creator of television shows such as China, Illinois. Let me see if I pronounce this right. Brad Neely's Hargnolin Slopio PPO. And most recently, the currently airing Paramount Plus show, The Harper House. Please welcome Brad Neely. Welcome. Hey, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Brandon. Hey. This is fun. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you got close. It's, okay, what was it? It's, it's, no, you, you said Slopio, I think. It's Slopio. Damn it. Okay, that's my... You know what? I pronounced it right based on my... <laughs> or uh, typing typemanship that's not even a word uh, my poor typing so, i yeah. made that um uh intentionally to be impossible um so it, okay. it, we we thought it was the funniest thing to to try to uh damn your show at the onset with a name that nobody knew how to pronounce <laughs> like you're daring somebody to watch it let alone pronounce it a little bit the, the yeah. original title is tv sucks and um then we realized that the content once we started making it didn't really like go after TV as much as that <laughs> title that, uh, suggested. So, um, so yeah, like the kind of fourteen-year-old absurdist kicked in, and I we just got the giggles making up these like absurd-sounding names out of just funny collections of syllables, and that's where we ended up. That's fair. I like the juxtaposition of the obstinance of TV sucks, but then. The responsibility of realizing that creatively it doesn't represent the show at all. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, that's that's how it worked. We, um, I'm not. I've. I mean, people might think otherwise, but I'm not really a mean spirited uh, person when it comes to content. I think TV sucks. Just kept just feeling so aggressive for me. I uh, had a number of reasons to kind of pull away from that, <laughs> but we don't need to go down this road Fair if enough. you don't want to. <laughs> oh no, I'm good with whatever. But. Uh, yeah, I guess you know as a an arbitrary starting point, but a starting point nonetheless. The um, deeply unfair question that I don't even necessarily know the answer to, but I guess I'm not having it posed to me, at least not yet, anyway. But uh, how are you? Uh, that's a good one. It's it's always um hard to answer a question like that. I think uh. So, people are layers i think a lot of layers right now are good you know can't complain some layers are uh not so not so thrilled um you know we just came off of um making an an entire tv show uh in in lockdown kind of quarantine yeah. i made this show out of my laundry room uh which i am in right now it's kind of a office exercise space library laundry room small little room that i love to a, live in a multi-purpose space it's my favorite uh, i would i would love to be in here even if there wasn't a pandemic so <laughs> it, it was fine uh, i was yeah. happy to kind of get into my little burrow but uh yeah after doing that you know and being kind of the captain of that ship through the ups and downs and adventures and misadventures of figuring out how to do that show uh remotely and uh you know i had to kind of keep it together for my crew and my cast and everything but now all the episodes are officially turned in and i think that something deep in the unconscious is kind of like okay we made it the ship is docked you can release your grip now and uh you know cry <laughs> so yeah that's that's how i'm feeling right now it's just a little like whoa what did we just do well that's yeah that's a lot to process in general let alone amidst all of these truly extraordinary circumstances that's a lot to let go of i don't know i guess it's tbd on how long it takes to do something like that but that's a lot to process oh yeah i mean this show is this show is particularly you know, I started out before the pandemic, like, let's get a, let's get a, uh, I want to do a female lead led show. I always wanted to with a big female Homer up front. And I wanted to get a writer's room with, you know, a lot of diversity and, uh, women. And, you know, then it's like, 
who knew the year I would have with that going on. We were in the writer's room writing episodes about race relations while there were like very violent race encounters in the streets of Los Angeles, you know. Um, It was... It was such a such a challenge, but I think I think we did it right. We had I had a lot of people to lean on. So, well, yeah, I was curious about the, the kind of the more I guess overall like specific timeline of it, and how it kind of aligned in a way with the pandemic because this was announced on January twelfth, twenty twenty, in a I always like when they when they phrase this in the trades in a competitive situation. <laughs> uh, I always like that, and it was announced you know as part of. CBS all CBS all ask, all access then, which then is you know in the in the meantime has become Paramount Plus, which is what it is now. But uh, yeah, I was curious about the timeline of that. Was most of this done during the pandemic, or was like all of this done during the pandemic? Um, I had gotten together the pitch and the idea, uh, the concept of the show, and done a lot of you know the designs of the characters and. Uh, so you know really decked out thorough pitch uh well before the pandemic was even something anybody was anticipating mm-hmm. took that around town a lot of people were interested uh, i did that with i mean i don't know how insider bullshit you want to go but i can talk about how this how this all you know i i, I was a partnership with um with CBS Studios and uh, Katie Krantz's 219 animation development thing, we all kind of teamed up, like, let's make the big show. Mm. And that was, that was, you know, we pitched it, uh, everybody wanted it, then CBS was in the family, so they, um, they had a, a lot of reasons for us to go there. I... We did that. We decided, okay, here's where we're going. Um, I had a writer's room that we were was real. We had a we got in the writer's room. I like to develop a series all together as a set of ten. Um, I brought ideas in. We kind of worked them up to springboards all together as a group and picked them out and you know just kicked things around and pitched them to the network they signed off on them and then right before we started outlining the pandemic hit and we all went away so <laughs> perfect so i had like a writer's room for maybe a month uh maybe a little over that excellent people um then then we went to the zoom you know figured out how to do all that over zoom and i just kind of ended up i i write all my episodes anyway and i like that and so this kind of was a two-edged sword. There was a, a good side to the coin for me personally. So I don't think a lot of people would have been cool or with me just kind of, I'm going to write everything. You just wait, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, that's usually a disaster. But um, I was able to do that because of the pandemic and everything worked out and I got my way <laughs> like a little <laughs> asshole, but, um, but yeah, like that's, that's how it worked. And then, so we had to cast it from, the, uh, remotely, uh, you know, auditions over the zooms and, uh, people sending in audio and all that. And, and then the recording after we got casting all had to go through, you know, we sent out these little home recording kits that were very uncomfortable and hot for people to, it was summertime and, yeah. Um, working with them, asking the actors to do all this kind of tech setup with their computers and stuff. It was uh, took a lot of patience, and um, we but we ended up, you know, once we got the bulk of it recorded and we're able to kind of start put, piecing together the um, episodes beyond the writing of it, um, it started feeling like okay, we've got this, you know, like storyboard storyboards started coming in and it felt good like it 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 was crazy at first and then you know people are resilient and when there's like a obvious goal already set you know after a little whining we kind of just start towing the line yeah well you know i never thought about it quite with an animated show how much work has to be done on the front end to really begin to get a sense of what you have with the show 
Yeah, you know, I, I think every everybody does it differently, you know, and in, in animation especially, you know, uh, there are a lot of different approaches to to the you know, to the front half. Um, it all kind of ends up the similar, but uh, you know, I'm a script heavy guy. I I like you know. I don't get the actors in in an ensemble and be like, let's just play around. Let's find the show in the performance. Yeah. Or I don't say, let's find the show in the boards. Um, I'm like, the show is in this script. And we can plus it out from here and we can fix some problems from here. But we pretty much got a good road, road, road map with the script. A lot of other shows don't do that. You know, they they do find the funny or the the episodes in the boards or in the um, kind of improvisational uh, ensemble recording setups. And, um, you know, I, I wondered how those types of productions fared during this process. It seems maybe harder because the way I piece my shows together is, um, was just kind of luckily tailor-made for, for a pandemic situation. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's something could be said for like having knowing what you need to accomplish, having clearer goals as opposed to, well, well this is go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. We, right off the bat, we were like, well, the network has signed off on the ideas for all 10 episodes. Like, that's a load off. Like, okay, we're through that. <laughs> we're through that hoop. We know what the season is. So that was, I mean, once you have that, then you just start filling it in. Um, but... Yeah, we don't have to talk about the show if you don't want to. <laughs> I'll talk about whatever, but I I do want to touch on it some because it is still airing. I know that six are out, ten total. Yep. First of all, I just want to say like, and this isn't like blowing smoke. It's a great show. I love it. Hey man, that's great. Means the world to me. It's um, you know, people. I I probably I I assume that people assume, which is uh, two stages of assumption, which is always <laughs> bad. But uh, yeah, that uh. The people who make things like this, you know, don't need to hear stuff like that. But it is not true. I need to hear it, <laughs> especially on a streamer. Um, you know, my other shows were long enough ago, and, and they aired on cable on Adult Swim. And I think because of that, there was a lot of chatter on Twitter about it. And then you could see the ratings. You know, a couple of days later on Nielsen. But on a streamer, it just, so far it's and in the pandemic situation, it just kind of feels like, okay, uh, I guess it's pe- people might like. Who knows? I have no idea. Yeah. I can't get a beat on it. So, um, so thank you. I it actually yeah. really to hear that feedback, especially from a fellow Arkansan. We haven't covered that here. Um, yes, I do want to get into that in a second. But while we're on the show, the one thing I do want to say is that going into the show. I purposely did not read anything about it because I just wanted to experience it to see what it was like, which is something I'm doing more and more to where I'm like, I don't care what reviews say about it. Oh, yeah. I, I just want to go into it not knowing anything and just experience it as purely as one can in a world where you can know anything about anything with the internet. But I knew it was a Brad Neely show and I was very curious. I was like, a Brad Neely show made for Paramount. What is that going to be like? Yeah. Because your aesthetic is so specific. And, and my perceptions of a, a studio and how it feels like every TV show and every movie, it's a miracle they get made, let alone that they're good. <laughs> and this is my, says more about my perception of it probably than anything, but it just feels like a miracle that these things get made. Oh, man. And I, it is. It's, it, I can't imagine. It's, um, a, you have to fight for every, every single thing. You know, it's, um, when, um, before I did this show, after Hard Nolan got canceled, as I expected it would, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> like, yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have much choice because um, I don't know how to, you know, I I was a cashier before I did this kind of work. So it's like, I can't, I've got a family. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but I was really like reluctant to jump back into animation and everybody's like, oh, you're so good at it. You know how to do it or, you know, and I'm like. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if I'm that good at it, but um, <laughs> no, I'm just talking about people in my life. Yeah. Not like the world, you know. But I knew what it would take to do another show that, you know, it's not just the 
be funny, make something good, make characters that everybody loves in a world that you want to inhabit as a viewer. But all of the fighting and all of the pushing and all the persuasion and all of the captaining of a ship, it beats the shit out of people, you know? It makes people, like, overeat or undereat or pull their hair out or eat their hair. It makes showrunners go crazy. And yeah. um, and those are the ones, like you said, that are lucky enough to get the miracle of getting the green light, you know? <laughs> You're like, it's a miracle, that you're getting the shit beaten out of you every day <laughs> it, to do it, a show you believe in with every fiber of your being. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> to believe to a show you believe in enough to put up with all that. There you go. There you go. Okay. I, I, you know, ambivalence is kind of my middle name, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I think that's good. I, I am a fan of owning ambivalence and and being okay with. Uh, how we fluctuate about, man, I hate this show. Okay, I love this show. I don't know if I, we should do, should we do this? Okay. You know, like, that's, that's, I think people who deny that kind of get into trouble psychologically. I'm very comfortable with uncertainty. <laughs> but I think it's good to have those mental checks and balances as opposed to just being, you know, indifferent. <laughs> I think it's, you need to feel those emotions to then, I think, keep yourself in check to realize, is this really as good as I think it's going to be? Because otherwise, it's a great way to have like this emotional stasis, creative stasis, and that's that's how you die. I think that's absolutely, and you have to be open, you know, and and listening and able to be like, you know, what I'm wrong, you know. You have to yeah. you have to yeah. always be able to admit that you were wrong on something, or or that someone has a better idea than yours. And um, absolutely, you know, I think keeping you know, but also sticking to your guns and. Uh, knowing when it, where that line is and how that line can move and fluctuate. But like, you know, you know when you, you're selling out or you know when you're crossing a line where it just kind of feels like, man, that does, that's not me or I wouldn't say that. Yeah. So kind of to backtrack with your idea about like, you know, what does Brad Neely's show look like on a place like Paramount Plus? I think... You know, there might be a conception, okay, Brad's weird, he's crazy, he's done a lot of nuts, you know, stuff, he's uh, a niche kind of market artist or something. What's he doing selling out, doing a big family show for Paramount Plus? Um, and, like, the, my approach to that is um, I wanted to do a fresh take on a big show. I, I'm... I was a fan of The Simpsons and South Park and Seinfeld. I like the S shows. <laughs> and uh, so I wanted to do I wanted to do a version of that. But my thing was we're never going to do a canned emotion. Like we wanted I was like, this show should have the heart of The Simpsons, but the audacity of South Park. That was always the goal. It's like it's going to be Perfect. a dirty, a dirty family show where the kids curse, the parents curse around the kids. And the heart that we get to, like the true psychological, emotional drive, always has to be something that is real and authentic and relevant and not just like, oh, it's the Lost Dog episode or, oh, you know, I was. Yeah. So I felt like that to me was a was a real enough goal and challenge to to try to do this Um and, you know, it'll, it's up to everybody, to, to everybody's own opinion, whether or not I, I succeeded, but I feel pretty good about what we've done. Honestly, I think you've accomplished that. And I say that because, again, no, no preconceived notions going into it, wondering, what will this be like? What will Brad Neely through this prism look like exactly? Yeah. And, and watching it, well, first off, you're, <laughs> the first thing you encounter is the theme song, which is fantastic. Not mine. It's great. That's Mutato. That's Mark Mothersbaugh's folks over there. Um, it's great. Thank you so much. I, it's I, extremely catchy. I agree. Those those people really understand music, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They know what they're doing. They do it's know. wild. That. You look at him at like his credits as a composer on IMDb, and I think it's 200 plus. So yeah, I think, I think he figured it out. They did, man. They uh, and he had COVID, like hardcore ventilator COVID. Um, right when we like we got them, and then he got COVID, and um, he has two guys that work for him, John and um, uh, 
uh, why am I, fuck, is, <laughs> Albert, John and Albert, um, they are the greatest dudes in the world, and we vibed real, I, you know, have a history with making music myself, not as, uh, distinguished as, as them, or as learned as them, but, um, we were able to quickly know that we were talking each other's language, um, just like, you know, I draw, um, for the show and whenever I'm working with artists on my show there's talking about it and then there's drawing about it yeah and I think drawing about it you know cut cuts to the chase real quick I can just be like no 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 the, it's like this and I'll draw real quick and hold up a piece of paper uh, on zoom that's there's no abstraction there right and there's that that feels that it felt that way talking to the uh, Mutato people they were and it, I, it seemed to me that they um, were relieved to have someone who understood them uh, in my position too, because um, you know it's a challenge working with people who don't know what goes into what you do. You know, like let's turn the turn the faucet and music comes out. Like <laughs> I, I really try to respect the the people who work on my shows and not over ask or disrespect what it is that they've put into the parts of the process that I have personal knowledge of how much it hurts. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a great value in knowing what you don't know. Yes, and, sir. And uh, I imagine it's, it could be easier and said than done to have somebody who has no concept of what you do, but has a lot of opinions on it. Oh man. Uh, those guys, uh, I'm sure <laughs> like the wor- the people who have the worst job in, in animation are the editors um, because they are like, taxi drivers and they have assholes like me yelling at the back of their head all day oh can you stop right there stop right okay go go back two frames okay you know can you just stretch that one out or let's let's punch in you know reframe right there and they're just hold on i'm trying to do the first thing you asked you know um like i know you drive every day but take the brooklyn bridge exactly exactly (laughs) um those guys i really try to to treat with as much respect as I can find because I just, I, I, I know it's a, it's a challenge. So. Well, I imagine, imagine, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, like um, um, I don't know. I just imagine people who, before they were in like a filmmaker, before they were in movies, just like, man, this movie's terrible. This, this, this. And then you actually make one and you realize I'm not going to criticize anyone because this shit's so hard. That's so good, Brandon. I agree. I, uh, I think we live in an era right now that is um, so ugly with criticism and um, armchair criticism. It's just so everywhere and everybody has these cute little cruel phrases to say about stuff that they watch like that's uneven or um, yeah. I like the first half or, uh, you know, there was a problem with pacing. It's like just it. What what do you think art is like this? <laughs> There's such a confusion of commercial art and commercial art standards and then, you know, people who are really trying to express themselves. And I feel like, I mean, I come from, you know, a a place where uh, I want to go to the artist and not have the artist come to me and please me. I want to be confused. I want to be. Like, why did they do that? Do it that way? How how interesting, yeah. you know? Like, I like abstraction. Yeah, I want. I just like freshness, like a fresh take. I want to learn about other people. You know, a lot of people say they go to art, you know, to feel like they're not alone or to f- see themselves in the. You know, oh, this is so nice. I see myself in this character or something. I'm like, I won't know. It's not about me. I want to learn about other people. Yeah. And anyway, that I get on my soapbox about that all day long. I just wish people would kind of like ease up and and be a little bit more accepting of uh, of the arts. I say that, but I'll, I'm the first person to fucking be really mean and tear tear up. Like, man, did you see the new 007? Fuck that. <laughs> I haven't, by the way, and I'm very I'm eager to see it. <laughs> I haven't either, and I'm very excited to see it. I'm ready for that, and I'm very ready for Dune specifically. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I love David Lynch with all my heart. He's one of my um, uh, utmost heroes and uh, I love his Dune so much that uh, yeah. I'm not very interested I have to say um, but that's that's not fair uh, I'm sure if I watch it that I would be able to find uh, myself enjoying it but um, I just well once you see that Dune it's a very you can't see any other Dune I don't think <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I, I I watched the David Lynch Dune 
regularly. I mean, I'm a I'm kind of a repeat person. I'll reread the same books. I'll rewatch the same movies. I'll re-listen to the same things. Uh, to to accept new things, um, sometimes it's hard. I have to admit. So, well, I read one time where they said that like I don't know, I don't remember anything any of the details. I remember the broad strokes of it, which is probably not a great thing to repeat. But here I go anyway. But it was something to the effect of that like at age thirty three you stop listening to new music. <laughs> you just return to the old stuff. Which I thought was interesting and I and maybe if that, you know, even if the thirty three thing isn't even any close to accurate, the mentality of it makes sense. Yeah, you know, I I occasionally bring something new in, but it's usually like a new thing by an artist that I really love, you know. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I'm gonna go oh I'm gonna go get the chamber music of Rock Man and Off now. Like I am gonna <laughs> branch out. You know what's funny is I was about to say that well I just listened to an, a new song by Mitski and then I realized, oh I just really like Mitski and it's a new song by Mitski. <laughs> so yeah. I'm still doing the same I'm not seeking anything new out. It's just coming to me because I was already looking for it. I mean, there's no way to read all the books. There's no way to watch all the movies. There's just not enough. Like, we're fine. You know, there's a lot of trouble that comes from being a finite creature in an universe. And, um, you know, choosing what will be in your little (laughs) uh, warren, uh, your little workroom (laughs) like this. Uh, I feel like a little pack rat, you know. Yeah. I'm looking around in here at all the little, little bullshits that I have that matter anyway i remember when i was a kid and i had a realization i don't know how old i was i was young and i suddenly realized i was like i'm never gonna know everything and it gave me a great relief that's great man i uh i have a a daughter she's 10 and um we we play um she likes to play this thing where we call it hero finder and uh we're in the backyard, and she pretends to be somebody with a superhero uh, superpower, and I pretend to be a man from the government who's putting together a, <laughs> a, a team. Yeah. And I, we always have to first. I stumble onto this person, and I'm like, "Hey, I'm looking for a person with these superhero powers." And um, she giggles because she, it's her, but I don't know it. And then she starts to exhibit the powers. And then I finally ask her to be part of the team, and then we can finally eat dinner. We do this over and over. I love that. New powers, new powers, new powers. But there's one that I, ha- I have made a rule where you can't have this power, and it's to know everything or to have all the powers. And she hates that because she wants that. And I'm like, I, it's no fun to play with guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's, it's just no, it's not fun. And... Um, but she's finally accepted that that's not. She always will put that on the, put that on the table. Like I'm gonna be somebody who knows everything. I'm like, then you know that I'm, you know I'm coming. You know everything. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's not fun. <laughs> I'm gonna be Doctor Manhattan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Even that. You know, it's like, how do you? I love that. I love Doctor Manhattan. I love Watchmen. And like, how do you write him in? You know. I'm, I've, when I'm watching it or reading it, I'm always looking for it failing, and it doesn't, but it's a hard thing to do. I mean, look at the Greeks. Um, <laughs> it's like, wait a second, how did Zeus get in trouble? Like, oh. It's always like the fallibility of some of somebody otherwise infallibility is always, it's almost a thing where it almost seemed like they seemed, like, we just have to have something. <laughs> Like, it's kind of like the weakest thing, but they're like, this is canon, so try to dispute it. Absolutely. And, uh, but to your point, like, your your little kid, your wise little kid self realizing that you can't know everything, little Socrates. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've, that's a house lesson, you know, of like, nobody knows everything. It's impossible. And she's like, well, what do you, you know, at first, no way. I'm like, what's your, what's your friend doing right now? <laughs> Like, right now, what's she doing? It's impossible. You know, like, what are all the people in the neighborhood doing? What's that bird thinking right there? Like, you can't know everything. Like, that's, a, you know, being obnoxious about those examples. But um, it is a good relief to know, like, all right, I just got to know the things that will help me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that, too, with thinking about how gigantic the universe and infinitesimal universes are. And it's just you realize, man, we are... We are a speck of dust in the universe. 
And I, it's just, again, I can feel my shoulders relaxing thinking about that. I do too. I do too. That doesn't give me terror. No. It gives me like, uh, okay, like that's what we're dealing with. And, you know, and the more you're more honest you are about the human condition, I think, you know, the better you are at traversing through this life. Um, I agree. I talked to actually uh, yesterday an Arkansas based uh, musician, Adam Fawcett, and we were talking about immortality and how boring that would be. God. And I did bring it up in the episode, but I'll bring it up again not to repeat. Maybe it's just it can be paired together when you listen. But <laughs> it was the Jim Jarmusch movie, uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. Yeah. And it's Tilda Swinton and it's Tom Hiddleston. Great movie. I really, really like it. But it was just a lot. Of, it seemed to accurately represent as much as one can accurately represent vampirism. But it just showed how <laughs> bored they were. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that is exactly how it would be. If you have no impetus for getting out of bed, I would lose just minim- minimally decades after a certain point. Yeah, I think that is the kind of uh, the crucial aspect of the vampire story, you know, is, you know, like um, the interview with Vampire, for instance, is all about those two guys being bored. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, yeah, oh, uh, Arkansas, should we? I wanna, yes. I want to talk about Arkansas while we're on the phone. How often do you get back to Arkansas, if at all? Before the world was um, poisonous. Uh, <laughs> More overtly with a name attached to it, yeah. Yeah, my my wife is also from uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. We're both from the same town. We've known each nice. other since we were uh, 13 and um, uh, got married at 13. Um, Arkansas, you know. <laughs> Uh, but she's got family there. I've got family there. Uh, we would go back, you know, twice a year, probably in, um, at least Christmas. Uh, my mom lives in Galveston, Texas now, and she, she, she would come out here and, uh, to see the rest of the family, we'd usually go there. So, uh, I love Arkansas with all my heart and, uh, uh, I hate Los Angeles. (laughs) Yeah, I was curious about that because I've talked to people, I mean, I've talked to a lot of different people, most of which statistically are not from Arkansas, but some of them have been here and stuff like that. But it's always curious, I'm always curious to hear when people move from Arkansas to LA and some people acclimate quickly and some people maintain an aversion that doesn't go away. That's me. I'm in that latter uh, category. Okay. I, it's, I am a, you know, political liberal um, and uh, I enjoy, there's a lot of great things about living here, you know, Um a lot of great things and we have, we regularly draw up pros and cons columns uh, my wife and i like, why are we here let's do this three times a year i have to live here uh is what we come down to um, <laughs> it's like this is the only place that i have uh, it's either this or new york and new york's even worse um but um i love arkansas we lived when we were young we left you know to um just go on some adventures but it was never we never had this or i never had like i gotta get out of this place like a lot of people tell that story about small town america i gotta get out of here and uh you know some people's situations are different and i totally understand that um but i do like when i'm wishing about the world i always wish people would wish there was a way that we could stay and invest in the smaller places you know there's this diaspora of talent uh and and i think also liberal thinking that just goes away from places like uh arkansas and comes here and just is one of the many where if they stayed then it's like your vote counts and you could change things and you could you know be a good example for some of the people like I would love to be involved, be involved with the young arts crowd in Arkansas to, you know, just kind of be there for questions or whatever. But um, that's in the future. You know, I, I'm just trying to get enough money. That it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be self-destructive for me and my family. You're like, I just want to get enough money to be able to go to Arkansas and not have to start over. That's right. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. I, uh, I can't I, yeah. I can't do anything but. Uh, what I do, I mean, I've, I'm trying to write some books. I got some books I've written, but uh, and if if boy, if one of those takes off, I'm done with cartoons. I'm joking. I'm joking. You're like Harry Potter nine. <laughs> Going to see if we can just shoehorn it in there. Well, I've you know, 
I've thought about that. Uh, sometimes that I get the itch, and I think it'd be so hilarious to do just the last movie and <laughs> yeah. just be like, "What the fuck happened?" <laughs> that would be from a a sheer guffawing and like just actively confused in it in a way that you're almost stopped being a character. You're so genuinely confused as a regular viewer would be very funny. I mean, <laughs> I I like those movies. I like all those movies. I like the one that I did. You know it. I, I watch them all the time, but sometimes I get that urge of just getting in there and being like, you know, they're all grown up and people are getting murdered. And it's like blood coming out of Upfish's ear. What the shit is this? You're like, these people are not smiling as much as I remember. Exactly. When I did Wizard People, Dear Reader, which I recommend everybody check out. It's great. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it gets dark fast. Well, that was kind of what, I mean, it was always a thing that I thought was spoof worthy was the cognitive dissonance of that world where it's like oh you know let's make sure nobody gets hurt but this is a world where we allow all of these dangerous things like in our school that will kill you and you know you just kind of <laughs> like well there goes it's that student i guess <laughs> like it, there's so much just like apathy about the truly death dealing like furniture in that place but um and these are the people that are supposed to know how to protect from this stuff and teach it to people and they're just like who the fuck knows what's happening i mean it kind of does something to the stakes to me when this this it's like well i don't understand why you're worried about voldemort hurting anybody if you're cool with this like couch that eats kids like get rid of the couch if you're worried <laughs> i'm making up idea, this couch though, but it's just the idea, idea by, by the way, way that you say a thing that happened that was like 15 people were murdered but you say the name voldemort and all they take away from it is we don't say that name <laughs> and you're like oh that's the takeaway yeah that's right no 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 tevin is dead <laughs> and we can't get him back well, you know, he, he knew what he was signing up for. Uh, that's... Rickman is dead. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, but kind of go back, we lived in Austin, Texas for a decade before. It wasn't just Arkansas to here. Uh, yeah. You know. It was like Chicago and Pennsylvania. Yeah, right. that is true. Yeah, we lived in, uh, we tried out the frozen lands of <laughs> Chicago, and then we tried out Philadelphia. Uh, well, we tried out Philadelphia first. I tr I went there for uh, fine art school at the mm -hmm. Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts for one semester. I had a, a wonderful uh, scholarship, and uh, then I didn't, and I could not afford it, and it was like, w we can't stay here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, we went to Austin, and um, and everything was fine. Met a lot of wonderful people, and a lot of people that we knew from uh, Arkansas had moved down there too. It was, you know, it's the live music capital of the world, and I was interested in making some of that live music, and I did so, and I'm sure to not very many people's delight. Uh, <laughs> just yet another 20-year-old with a band. Um, How would you describe your sound? Oh, back then? Yeah, what were you going for? Not good uh, <laughs> is the how to describe. We had, you know, me and my friends were interested in just kind of like the uh, great drummer and great, you know, I don't want to disparage the guys I played music with, but, uh, you know, we're trying to be like a serious musician and a serious artist, you know, and then meanwhile, everybody is actually uh like responding to my comedy sense and my cartoons and yeah i guess after a little while i just gave in and was like okay let's let's focus more on this because it seems like nobody likes serious breath. <laughs> let's just keep being silly and and uh that that's been paying the bills for a while you know you know that reminds me of uh i forget which but there was a stand-up comedian who initially tried to get into music, and the thing that people responded to was the banter in between songs, yeah. and then he just started doing that. There, you go. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I always did funny music with my friends too, and that stuff people liked. You know, like uh, me and my good friend Tom Eccles, uh, he's a music professor in Austin. We grew up together. I've known him as long as I've known my wife from Fort Smith, Arkansas. And, 
he and I would do improvisational challenges with music. This is, we weren't interested in like improv, like the word improv. I don't like clubs and I don't like, um, I'm not, I'm not part of the comedy club out here. You know, I'll meet nice people and if we get along, we get along and that's great. But, you know, comedians stick together and improv people stick together and, uh, it's, I just, I'm not part of that world, you know? And sometimes I, I'm like, oh man, I should be, I should make a better effort. They've never done anything bad to me. You know, they're all nice people, but I'm a, I'm a hermit and, you know, I'm not good at mixing and I'm just not part of that world. But, um, <laughs> sometimes we brush up against each other and I don't have much to say. Uh, but I did yeah. used to really, really dig into improvisational music with my friend, where we thought we had just invented it you know it's like okay push play on the tape recorder let's go and i think that's where i really kind of develop anything of a sensibility and honed timing or whatever if i have any was doing that with my friend tom and i, I definitely want to get back to that you know like i'm making this big show i'm not doing any of the music for it i've kind of I, i'm not the lead actor i do some of the voices in the show um I just really wanted so to. You're a more traditional creator, right? I mean, in, in, well, in this in this sense, yeah, you know, but I'm writing all the episodes, and um, and I di- I direct all the voice talent, and um, I'm very heavily involved in the in the storyboarding, and I design all the characters. You know, it's like I'm I'm all over the place, but sure. I'm not st- stripping gears like I would on some like China. I was the voice for the three leads, and I did all those other things, and it beat the shit out of me. Like the first season was, I was in crisis. I didn't know what I was doing. It's horrible. Um, but you know, I do sometimes want to get back to some of those other, uh, scrappier types of shows. Um, this isn't like a, a timeline where I can't go backwards. This is just like, all right, this is how this show, these are the rules and goals for this show. Yeah. But um, I've got other ones where I, I want to lean back into the music and and uh, do a lot of just kind of silly, silly nonsense. Yeah, I, I think just the juxtaposition of like form, you know, a Paramount show, Paramount. I know I'm, I'm stuck on that part, but just Paramount. It's a more formal thing. There are certain things that intrinsically go with that as, a, and as opposed to juxtapose against earlier things, which had more of a, let, let's see what sticks. This is DIY. Yeah. Do this, 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 you know, and it's, those are two very different, but no less valid animals. Absolutely. You know, I love uh, Chinatown, Godfather, all the Robert Evans Paramount movies. And, oh, yeah. you know, it, it kind of gives me a thrill to be working under that uh, umbrella. But at the same time, yeah, you know, I love lo-fi artistry and uh, do-it-yourself home recording kind of um, scrappy art. And... Um, I don't think you have to make a decision about which to be. I think you, you know, what's his name? George Martin, uh, the Beatles um, producer, whenever Phil Spector did Let It Be and the Beatles went with him, you know, they asked George Martin how he felt about that. And he said, different horses for different courses. And I just love that. That's uh, one of my favorite quotes. It's, I think it's so apt, you know, it's like, it's just because you make, you do one kind of thing. That's not, you haven't declared a lifestyle. It's like, yeah, try yeah. this out, try this out. You're not going to eat a hamburger every meal on the hamburger guy. Also though, like you asked that question to him to get him to act like, to feel like it's an indictment on him. Oh, right. You know, it's like, and, and he's just like, oh, just a reminder, I'm George Martin. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get me with that. I'm good. I get the cosmic joke of it all. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, exactly. Right. Yeah, I I agree. And um, I think that, you know, we to kind of, you know, go back on the inf- infinity, f- finite, know, know it all problem. You know, we oversimplify we in order to control f- our understanding of things. You know, we we use hyperbolic words. We exaggerate. We oversimplify. Mm-hmm. All of these heavily nuanced things that come with life and reality. Uh, I think um, we get into trouble that way, uh, pigeonholing people and expecting James Bond to always be James Bond or, you know. Um, 
I love it whenever people are very various in their um, in their careers. I think it's exciting. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, I completely agree. But I think to your point, like the all the things that I love are things I didn't know I would love, and I didn't expect I would love, and I and I never would have known that I loved. Uh, but then, you know. But then it's like to only then want those things <laughs> are how you di- wouldn't have gotten there in the first place. So it's like, what do you want? It's you know, true. Like, I I want to be provoked. I want to be interested. I want to like like for example, if you had told me what they were going to make with the movie Malignant that came out last month, mm-hmm. I would have had no anticipation. It is one of the most, and I say this in the best way, batshit studio films I've seen in a long time. I haven't I haven't seen it. This is the first time I've heard anybody talk about it. Uh, that's it's fantastic. All right, all right. It's it's like very um. I won't get into the details about it outside to say it gets like moody and you're trying to figure out what it is the mystery of it all and wow well, this is intriguing and, and it opens with it's like attention getter and it gets your attention but then the third act just unleashes hell oh man and it's great i, I mean that's on hbo max right uh in, i think it might have gone off yesterday oh shit right. it might still be on i'll go i'm gonna check but it's it is great and like in a way that I was laughing most of the time, but not at, not at it, just at oh man, it just keeps getting better, and better. <laughs> like it, I'm I'm in no way mocking the thing. It's more of marveling at what I'm witnessing. Okay, so it's that sort of thing. I'm I'm dry right now. I need something to watch. So that's it's good. All right, <laughs> but anyway, you know, I think that um, I think the whole like just the duality of how people try to put everything of like the coke versus pepsi of the world oh man and it could be like oh no it could be coke and pepsi or it could be 30 million other things you know just uh (laughs) not everything is this or this box and people just want in my opinion this may just be an old crankety thing to say which could be both as well funnily enough but that nothing's that simple people just want to say you're this thing so then they don't have to get to know you and they can just sum you up and it's very limiting and it's ridiculous i love it i know it's in the end it's every i mean i i you know i'm throwing stones but you know i'm full of this sin myself you know it's just kind of part part of being a, a person you know it's just kind of trying to simplify it so you can understand it um but I, you end up not understanding it you just are being able to put it in your pocket <laughs> yeah and i think that i think the other problem of like with the boxing thing as an example is you it's a great way to get mad at a concept of a person more than an actual person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and the internet doesn't is a great way to help you forget that you're not getting mad at words. <laughs> well, you're getting mad at words, but you're you're forgetting that there are people behind it. Uh, as much as the word words might be ridiculous or whatever the case, it could be anything. But um, I don't know. I just think that that's a thing with maybe with the you know the pandemic, but just in general, but certainly the pandemic to where. People need to be around other people and people need to connect with people and feed off their energies. And we've really lacked that. And I'm very curious what the psychological ripple effect from all this will be. Oh, yeah, man. I know. I'm worried about it. I'm too. Yeah. But I'm hopeful. You know, I I have definite, (laughs) you know, pessimistic bones. But um, I think it, it, I think what drives people crazy is it seems like we can figure it out, you know? It seems like we can make things better and fix it. You know, it seems like yeah. there are ways to make this all kind of hum along. But, um, oh, man, it's so upsetting that the, the dumb the dumb ways we all fail at it. <laughs> that is the funny thing. It's like, uh, it's like when somebody presents something to you and you're like, no, that's not it. And then they're like, "Well, what's your alternative?" And then I'm like, "I have nothing. <laughs> I just know it's not that." I well, that's a. I think that's a. Um, that's a healthy way to be. You know, it's okay to say you don't know. I don't know. God, I don't know. I don't know. But we can maybe like feel around and find out. You know. Yeah. I think I don't know can be a valid starting point. It's my favorite. I um I have heroes. Yeah, that I yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I the, the I love I brought up Socrates. I love Socrates, the Socratic wisdom, you know, of knowing that you don't know. Um, fame. Oh, I, that's a huge thing for me. Yeah, really I, I just love that. I think it's it's so helpful when you meet somebody who's just like, I don't know. Like, let's just let's figure it out instead of this is it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me crazy. Yeah, because yeah, I know I've met I've met plenty of people where they clearly have like that 
the this is it mentality. And the largest thing I tend to come away is with, oh, they don't know. Yeah, man. I know. Oh, they really don't know. I do it myself. And sometimes you have to just get something done. You know, you have to just call it and be like, that's it. Like, that's one of the bad sides of my job is just you don't have all the time and energy in the world to consider all the options. So I'm just got to cut. We're cutting it. We're calling it, everybody. That guy now has orange hair. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it can't always be the Stanley Kubrick effect. <laughs> oh, man. Of, I would just take a year and a half to do this. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. I'm going to ruin everybody's life on my on my <laughs> crew uh, for this. You know, that's where aesthetics override your ethics, and I don't I don't agree. Even though I, yeah. love, I love Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, Oh, I did too. I've been reading his book about two th- the making of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I've always been fascinated by him, by like the, uh, the mystique around him, surrounding him, about, about how we can know so much about him, and yet people respond to him and, and project so much onto him as well. Absolutely. In a way that you would think he like died at 28. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, we, he was in his, he was like 70 something right and he did we a know fa- plenty he did a fair amount of interviews too yeah, he documented everything yeah he spoke his mind he was very clear <laughs> uh yeah you can get you can get to know that guy uh and 2001 is ancient aliens you know like it is yes. <laughs> it's ancient alien he's an ancient alien theorist is who stanley kubrick is um anyway uh it's okay it's five it's we've i'm looking at this clock we yeah we're getting close to an hour how long is your show it, it tends to be, be it, it this is, is about right i'm all good. good i just wanted to check in because uh yeah i've been checking and this is a uh, this is part of the show i love uh the marginalia um this kind of chatter um but it's isn't that weird you know like sometimes i'll have like phone calls usually kind of round out around uh, an hour <laughs> i find you know what it reminds me of it reminds me in a weird way of speaking of like streaming services is that everybody did 30 minutes and, and an hour traditionally for tv because they have all these different considerations and although streaming services maybe can be sold later and then easily cut up to afford that on the backside, that there's still that same amount you know you don't get a ton of shows that are like 37 minutes yeah that is uh, you know that's because We've kind of subliminally absorbed those expectations and those rhythms, you know. I mean, at least that's my theory. I know that I, when we're working on our shows, you know, things feel baggy or laggy. You know, you end up just kind of cutting it down to what it's supposed to be. Um, I feel like I'm always needing more jokes now. I'm just kind of doing, I'm focusing too much on the stories. I'm just, you know, oh, man... If we had a little bit more time, we could cram some more jokes in here, but it just doesn't really work. <laughs> I think also, though, it's just like there are so many, not just entertainment industry, but so many industries where the things that are done the way they're done is because they've just always been done that way. It's just needlessly self-perpetuating because, well, we know this works, so why disrupt that? That's true, man. Like, I, I love books of any length, you know, and movies of any length. Um, I think it's... Um, well, back to some of those canned criticisms that I find so annoying. When somebody talks about, whenever somebody's like, ah, oh, it was uh, 40 minutes longer than it should be. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> what are you talking? Like, yeah. I've heard that about talking about this new Bond. Everybody's like, oh my God, it's two hours and 40 minutes. Do you know how long the first Harry Potter movie was? <laughs> I do. It was two hours and 30 minutes. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if it's entertaining, who cares, you know? Um, and even if it's not, like, entertaining, that's the way those people felt like it needed to be. So grow up. <laughs> yeah, just the implication of uh, the person who made this and all of the hundreds of people that made it, they don't know. <laughs> right. I, however, know. And even your example earlier on about, just an example about, like, it was slow pacing, the editing was too slow here or something. Just the implication that they made a mistake. Exactly. Yes. Is incredible. It, that there's some perfect standard that they yeah. failed to hit. Like, this yeah. isn't gymnastics, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like As if it's quantifiable of, exactly. oh, this is wrong. You know, like, oh, the Russian judge got it right, 6.1. There you go. Every time. Yeah. I mean, it's there's you end up kind of defining this false 
perfect by like indirect criticism you know like anything you say negative about a movie act you're actually kind of shaping this invisible perfect movie of that you know this is this movie was too long by 40 minutes and you're like okay then the perfect movie is two hours okay okay you know like but I just don't think that exists. We it's this weird falsehood that we kind of keep doing when we talk in the critical voice. Well, just to to put those expectations on art is inherently hilarious. Oh, I man, you're talking my language. I agree. And the best all art is, you know, the best ones were rebels, you know, and the ones who said fuck that expectation or, you know, oh, yeah. you don't like a 2 hour and 40 in a movie, I'm going to make a 16-hour Berlin Alexanderplatz, you know? or um, I've, Art is all about busting up those dumb expectations. And, um, you know, the world now on the internet is just an echo chamber of those expectations. Yeah, well, it actually reminds me that in the last two or three days, I think, maybe it was a little bit more than that, but it was this week that, I forget what, a Pitchfork changed a lot of their ratings. Really? Different albums? Yeah, they were like basically reflecting their perspective now on a lot of different albums. That was a big thing. Whoa. Which, Which is, is like, like a, a, that's, that's a, a, I don't know. It's it's like, I'm, I'm both like, oh, who gives a shit? But also it feels like a weirdly, almost slippery slope in a way too. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, that opens up a whole other hour of conversation, but uh, yeah. um, I'm going to have to look into that. That's, that's interesting. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's as specific a way as any to end the show. What all uh, do you want to point people to? I know so far as of right now, six episodes are out of the Harper House. Yeah. Ten total. Ten total. Big ending. More to, co- more to come? Question mark? Uh, there is a question mark in everybody's mind. I don't know. Nobody knows. Okay. Fair enough. It is a very painful question mark. Uh, <laughs> My apologies. No, 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 man. Uh, I hope I hope we get to do more. I feel like we just scratched the surface. I love working with this cast and crew. Well, the cast has all moved on to other shows. The shit. cast is fantastic. Yeah, uh, but the cast is, yeah. Uh, my crew is all gone, but uh, the cast, my God, Ray Seahorn, Jason Lee, uh, a childhood hero of mine, skateboarding. Um, yeah. Uh, very funny. Uh, Tatiana Maslani and Ryan Flynn, who I worked with on my other shows. And that's just the Harpers, you know? There's all these other folks who are just incredible to work with. Um, it's, I, I feel like Ray is the best. Like, she's, she is the smartest actor. She wants to talk it out. She, it, she, changes the everything in the in the smartest way i'm i'm i got so lucky she's she's great because i had not admittedly i guess like i'm not alone in this but i i there are some actors you see and they don't get featured in the best way that they can yeah and then you see a show like better call saw and you're like holy shit who is that yeah and there are a lot of holy shit who is that and what is that in that show because it's incre- it's an I think it's an all timer, quite frankly. Oh, she! Uh, I didn't know. Uh, I I never watched Breaking Bad or or Better Call Saul. Um, oh wow! I, okay. I didn't know uh, who she was. She her audition came as um, uh, as a record audio recording, and I was just like, that's De- that's Debbie right there. Nobody's yeah. the, nobody's better than that. I don't know who this lady is, but that's it. <laughs> and then once I ca- cast her, I. We, my wife and I started Better Call Saul, and it's like, oh my god, I'm working with a genius. I'm scared. Yeah. And then I watched Breaking Bad. Um, I love that show, and I love working with her. She's great. It's amazing. I highly recommend watching Brad's show to the listener directly. Breaking the third wall. Is that how this works? Yeah. A-wall? Yeah, you're right. There's just, we're we've only got one wall here. <laughs> yeah, one wall. Breaking a wall. Breaking a bad wall. <laughs> um, I might delete that. That's then, good. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Please, like, for sure, 100% watch The Harper House. It really is great. Four more episodes as of this airing. Hopefully, even more than four to come. It's great. Thank you for doing this. This was great. I love this. Oh, man. It was a pleasure. I was looking forward to talking to somebody. Yes. <laughs> Fellow Arkansan. Fellow Arkansan. I feel like, uh, you know, you just know. You can feel it. You can feel yeah. it. I don't know. It, you know, I'll, I'll say this last thing. That Arkansas only makes it to the news for all the wrong reasons. So 
that is a lot of people's understanding of Arkansas so that's as a result, result. That's right. Which is an inherent misunderstanding. Yes. But it's a beautiful place. It is one of the few places probably in the U.S. state-wise where you can get true decompression. You can truly slow down, and it really gives you perspective. Highly recommend it. Hell yeah. It is beautiful. I agree. I agree. I love it. I love it. Arkansas, man. Natural state. And the fact that I work for the Arkansas Tourism Board is purely coincidental. (laughs) But come on down. Thank you all for listening. Please stay safe. Please take care. Get vaccinated. Yes. Wear a mask if you need to, but either way, be respectful to yourself and everybody else and don't get anybody sick and take care and bye-bye.